scripture is 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of favor, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And we are coming uh, at this a different way. We've talked about um, fear before, but now we are going to talk about... So let's say fear is the tree trunk. Well, a tree trunk then has corresponding branches. So what are the things that branch off from fear? So in one of the things that branch off from fear is, un and you know, even though this says um, fear, I'm going to call this anxiety because it's a mythical Fear. It's something that, uh, as I said, is not, doesn't have a real existence or a real function. Everything that God has given us, we have to remember, is good and is for some kind of good. And so we've got into the whole idea that if there is a real fear or a real scare, right? Your body will secrete uh, adrenaline, parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic nervous system will kick in, right? You'll be able to move uh, uh, fast and incredibly. There's a, a surge of strength and all of the necessary physical requirements that you need to get out of harm's way. So I'm not talking about that fear now. I am talking about a fear where there is no danger. Now, understand one thing. All of these same bodily physiological responses kick in, but they kick in for no good reason because it's a myth. It's a boogeyman fear. Right? It's one of those kinds of fears. So it is not warranted. And so all you are doing is putting unnecessary stress on your body for nothing. So that's what he's talking about. God has not given us a spirit of favor, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. What do people, what do people do have anxiety? What do people, what are one of the branches that comes off from the branch of anxiety, mythical fear, control. People who are anxious look to control their environment. They look to control their environment because they're afraid of something happening that's out of their control. You've all heard of micromanagers I am probably sure most people here have had a supervisor who is a micromanager. What would I say is the root of that person's problem? Fear, anxiety. That person was anxious. There is different forms of micromanaging. There are supervisors, there are people who, who, are fit, who will micromanage you and be very, very fearful on two sides of the coin. One, 
you weren't that competent at that job or you were overcompetent at the job. So you weren't that competent at the job now. Oh, wow, well, this person's performance could drag me down. Wow, overcompetent at the job. Wow, this person could take my job, right? So there's two sides of the coin there. Where So micromanaging, micromanaging, yeah, what you up to, yeah, what you doing, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, lots and lots and lots and lots of control. There are people who have this fear that what their kids do is tied in to their performance as a parent. And so what do they seek to do? Control their kids. It never works well, really. It never, ever, ever works well. It never works well controlling anyone, really. Never, ever works well. You know, there's such a powerful, powerful statement in the movie uh, Harriet. And she, she says at the end to our master, she says to him, do you know that people were not meant to be enslaved? People were not meant to be controlled. And this silly man is looking at her, and she's 10 times smarter than he is anyway, but he's looking at her like he doesn't get it. God has given every person their own volition. You can't control your kids. All you can do is guide them. And you certainly can't own people. You know, people have got their own volition. You cannot. There is one of the things that I have seen throughout history is this is anytime someone, it doesn't matter where it be, South Africa, all over Europe, all over Africa, anytime someone has been enslaved or controlled, they rebel. Every single nationality has had some form of terrorism. Every single one. During King George III, the English called the Americans terrorists. Right? So what we have to understand is this, is you can't control anyone. But here's the reason, the number one reason why people try to control is because of fear. A lot of people think if somehow, if their kids are bad, it reflects on them as a bad parent. So they'll try to control their kids. And in trying to control their kids, their kids will rebel against that control. And the kids will become that thing that the parents have a fear of them becoming in the first place. One of the things that my mother did with me after living with foster parents for almost 17 years is try to control me. Big mistake. Big, 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 big mistake. You can't control people that have their own volition. In, in family counseling, and I've got a client coming tonight who doesn't matter what your parents, I have parents who try to control their kid. I have parents who will have a kid who will say, and most of these kids are not, it's just some form of rebellion. But with an 
with a, uh, a parent that, or uh, with parents that are Christians, oh, uh, um, I'm uh, transgender. Oh, I'm, I am gay. Most of these kids, and most, most of these kids don't even know what it is, but they know it gets, it gets evangelical parents rubbed the wrong way. That's what they do know. And because the parents have tried to control the kids, the kids will hit back with this kind of stuff. Now, and so fear will cause people to try to control other people. It will also cause people to be impulsive. It will cause people to make quick decisions. Fear is something that doesn't allow you to deliberate. You become impulsive. And in, impulsivity is what you use to try to resolve problems. But impulsivity is typically what causes bigger problems because you don't think it out well enough. And so you just jump in to these problems, making these, these very, very rash decisions. Fear will also cause people to be defensive. There are people you will say to, oh, you know, you did this. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. There's impulsivity there and defensiveness right in there because before people can even think or absorb or uh, assimilate what's being said, they're already response, responding in a defensive way. You know, you know, one of the things about that movie, The Last Castle, and that guy is so my hero, General Eugene Irwin. That, that guy is so my hero. This guy didn't even ask for, this guy even refused a trial. Most people want a trial, even when they know that they're guilty. Even when you've got, even when they're there on video, kneeling on someone's neck, they still want a trial to try to prove that they're innocent. Oh, well, it kind of looks like me, but <laughs> I don't know. This guy, he just owned it, didn't he? This guy just, oh, I refused. I don't understand. Remember what the guy said? I don't understand. The, the trial just started today. He said, oh, we refused the trial and he pled innocent. He pled guilty, I'm sorry. And essentially just put himself to the mercy of the entire court. And that is what you call real integrity. But people who are fearful are afraid of doing that. They're afraid of owning it. Because there's this insecurity deep down in themselves. What's going to happen to me? What is going to happen? Because a fearful person is, here is what where fear is. Fear is, you are in a place when you are fearful, when you haven't really trusted in anything that can give you a solid foundation. You're kind of bouncing around. It's like Peter. Yeah, Peter was just saying what he needed to say in the moment, but he hadn't really trusted. And that's what you've got to do when it comes to being fearless. You've got to really take a stand, regardless of the situation. You have to really take a stand. You know, uh, there was a lot of people during the 2,000-year history of the church that were actually martyred for their faith. 
martyr actually means witness. But because so many people witnessed to the point of death, martyr in Greek, it's actually martyria, means witness. It became a word to mean someone who dies for their faith. And all of these people, and they were so happy to do it. You listen to Paul, I'm being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Why is he not fearful? Because he is totally trusted. And he even says, there's waiting for me a crown of righteousness. You know, one of the great, great proofs of the reality of Christ is the way that these men died. And the fact that they were so happy to die. What is the difference between Peter before the crucifixion and afterwards? He hadn't trusted. He didn't really know the mission of Christ. Look, he even said, oh, master, no, you won't go to the death because he hadn't trusted in anything until, until Christ, until he saw the risen Christ. And that's when he understood. Now he could really, really trust. And it's only when you really trust does fear go away. See, most people, in terms of their day-to-day -day life, they put on this big, bad stance, sticking their chest out that they're fearless. But deep down, there's no substance in that. But the real stuff, if you want the real, real fearlessness, you have got to take a stance for Christ. You've got to really trust. You've got to come down on one side of the fence. Most people want to straddle the fence, right? Because most people, because of their, their, their fear now, most people, told you fear, results in control. And so what do most people try to do? Control the outcome. They actually try to control the outcome. And so, no, I don't wanna trust on this side because what about if it comes out bad? So let me straddle the fence and decide which way I wanna go. They try to control the outcome. You know, you know, the, one of the reasons why I don't believe in this political nonsense is because most Republicans have been Democrat and a lot, lots and lots of Democrats have been Republicans. It's nonsense. It is nonsense. Most of it is about winning. You know, people try to have conversations with me about this foolishness and I just shut them down. Really, I don't want to talk about this nonsense because I don't believe any of these people. Really, one thing I know that they trust in is themselves. That's one thing I'm sure of. But as for any kind of greater good, no. So you have to come down on one side of the fence and take a hold of it. And that's the real key to being bold and not having any fear. You cannot have fear if you cannot have boldness if you're wishy-washy. All you can have if you're wishy-washy is a good front. That's all. And now you're just acting. But in order to have the substance, you have got to come down on the side of trust. 
your faith object has got to be secure, which it is. If it's Christ and you take a hold of that and say, I will not let go of this. One great thing that Jacob did, Jacob knew that God was able to bless him. So he said, I'm not going to let go of this. I'm going to wrestle all night long. And that's what you've got to do. You know, this, we use wishy-washy language here. Oh, I, I, I guess. Oh, 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 I, maybe. Oh, I think so. Get away from all of that foolishness. You have got to say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I am going to be blessed by God. My life is going to be changed by God. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, the life I've lived up until now, yeah, it wasn't that great, but I was wishy-washy. Now I'm taking hold of the life that God promises me because we live by promises. Don't forget that. We don't live by, by uh, guesswork. We live by promises. I'm taking a hold of that. And my life, my family's life is going to be better. And I'm going to give a testimony because that's what God wants. God God blessing you is nothing to God. God made everything in six days. So God blessing you is nothing whatsoever to God. But you taking a hold of God and say, I am not going to let go until you do what I know you can do. And you give me what I know you can give me in order for me to glorify you and I'm not just talking about material blessings, I'm talking about spiritual blessings. Because one thing you need material, you need spiritual blessings to enjoy any kind of material blessings. Anyway, God's blessings makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Really, God's blessings makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So many celebrities wish that they could disappear into obscurity, really, because the fate of, that they've had in their lives has almost destroyed them because drug addiction, uh, all different kinds of mental illnesses. I mean, Hollywood is full of mental illness. Yep. And probably would not have a lot of it. These people probably would not have a lot if they weren't in Hollywood. Gotta tell you, what do people expect of me? Oh my word. Oh, I put a pound on. Oh my God, are they gonna like me? Oh my word, what am I gonna do? You know, oh, you're gonna break over me. Oh, that's gonna make me look bad. Oh, I've only been married for 28 minutes. You know, you got all different kinds of stuff going on in Hollywood. Really, really, it is an absolute mess. And so, but that is because there's so much fear. Now you got celebrities living and their lives are predicated now on millions and millions of fans. Well, what are they going to think? Oh, my word. Look what they wrote about me in the newspaper. Oh, God. All of this kind of stuff, believe me, full of problems. The life that you want is a life that God has to give you. That's what you should want. Here's what you should say. God, I want a life lived according to your will because that's when you have the peace. That's when you'll have the joy. That's when you won't have any fear. 
That's when you won't need to control. That's when you won't need to be impulsive. That's when you won't need to be defensive. And that's when you'll live your best life. Praise God.